0: welcome back episode 49 of the young old dad's podcast how the fuck did we get to 49 i'm one of your hosts tommy aka tv sports cards and i'm here with my good friend and co-host max aka cards max aka cards max scan value build edition max how are you doing
1: i'm doing good you know episode 49 we're halfway to 100 and that's just gonna be the running shtick that we have and not halfway to a year and I'm glad that we have a guest on today's episode.
0: Yeah, not only is your dog on this episode, but we have my good friend and your good friend, a friend of the hobby, my Brock aka at F T H Brock on Twitter and Instagram. Brock, how are you doing?
2: Hey, it is fantastic to be here. I will say I've been waiting for this call. And yeah. I don't think there's a better episode to appear on than episode forty nine. So it's a, just good one. Up it's a lucky number. It's a lucky I, number. I I've never heard that, but
0: all right. Yeah, it's, a, it's a lucky you number. Add,
1: if you add four and nine together, you get 13.
0: There you go. Well, Brock, is it a prime three, number? Yeah, it is. Say this it prime number. Or
1: 49 isn't prime, 13
0: is. 49, so 49, is, 49, is, 49 yeah.
1: is divisible by seven.
0: All right. right? Okay. No, we're tripping, you're tripping. It's seven squared.
1: Seven, seven squared.
0: Not a math podcast. Not a math podcast, Brock. Seven. What is your job? Why do we know each other?
2: Uh, So. I happen to work in the hobby. I work for um, I We were coworkers. I would like to think we're still co-workers in some way. Um, but yeah, I help run business development at Ludex. do some content. Um, yeah, it's, if you haven't heard of LuddX, check it out. We're an app that helps you identify what cards you have and how much it's worth. Um, yeah, Tommy and I met at a card shop at our local card shop and um, just kind of kicked it off and kind of kept in touch. And one day he walked in the front door and was like, I'm starting my first day and that was the start of something great
0: yeah, brock was my boss at Letex for a little bit before no one as as brock knows no one really manages me i'm out here i do random shit like start this podcast sounds <laughs> like an unhirable loose cannon <laughs> Yeah, but it's
1: a title yeah. I'm usually familiar with. I wouldn't expect you to be.
0: Well, Brock, Brock you've been a character in many stories that have been told yeah. on the Young Old Heads podcast, and I'm glad to finally have you on to talk all things how you got started in the hobby, working and like just collecting in general. And like me and you have been traveling all around the world, all around all around the world, all around it the country. Feels like year. it. Feels like the world sometimes. And uh, I know, Max, you have a lot of questions about probably how how shit would go down on a day-to-day basis. Uh but Brock, can you give everybody everyone who comes on the Young Old Heads podcast is a card collector. Everyone knows that. But can you tell us the genesis? What how did FTH Brock become FTH Brock? Uh
2: always love cards. Um I started I was huge into basketball growing up. So Kobe, MJ, Allen Iverson, that was kind of the the start of like what I was collecting tops, tops Chrome, always love that. Um, and then the other side, Magic. I grew up playing Magic tournaments until um, I was like 13. So I had this like weird. Now? What'd you say? How old are you now? Uh 31.
1: Okay, so that would I'm sorry, that would pin you as like what 90s playing Magic.
2: <laughs> That's correct, brother. Yeah, 90s not a, the not a podcast. Yeah. Well, also what I think now, now that I'm a collector of more sports, looking back. There's no like TCG Sport, like there's no synergy At least not in the world I was in Because I was going to gaming stores And then like one local hobby shop So those worlds were completely separate Um, But yeah, that's 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 all I collected I would trade with my friends I would take Pokemon cards And trade for basketball cards um, And then kind of stopped Right up to COVID But always had my cards, COVID hit And yeah, like now I'm absolutely obsessed in a level that I never thought I'd be.
0: So COVID hit, give me the journey from COVID hitting to what X you start working for Brian Ludden,
2: which is, which is actually like, if you, it's crazy. The fact of what like me actually jumping in the hobby from what I was doing before, it makes no sense. Um, so COVID hits like all of us, our worlds get whatever you deal with what you dealt with. Um, and I fell in love with cars again. And me and my buddy Evan, who work at LudX, started breaking. Like we saw people breaking on YouTube. Don't give us flack for people who hate breaking. Like we didn't know what we were doing. Um, but shout out to all the breakers. No um, hate to
0: breakers, no, no hate to
2: breakers. breakers, but also like unless you steal uh, national treasures one-of-one one patch autos. I'm a little frustrated with the whatnot thing. If you guys want to get into it, I'm happy to talk about it.
0: Not um, yet, not yet. I, I got a story first.
2: I got you. So we start breaking. We buy our product from where Tommy and I met, which is a very important shop in the hobby. Elite Sports Card Shop on Montrose and Damon. Shout out to Ronnie. Um, So we're buying product. We're breaking. Cool. All fun. Then one day I meet Mr. Brian Ludden. Brian Ludden is the founder and CEO of Luddex at Ronnie's shop. Um, The the situation I met him in was a little unique. This is kind of, I think, gives him a lure to the story. He spent like eight to 10 grand in cash in a matter of a couple of minutes, just pointing at, and this is at the peak of COVID, right? So like things are crazy. Like spending 10 grand is really not that hard. Um, and he's showing the shop owner an app. Like he's scanning a couple of cards or whatever. Um, What happened to be Lodex. So I met Brian Ludden showing LudX, And in a matter of two weeks after that, my buddy Evan was left his full-time job of um, doing what he was doing to work for Luddix. And then about a month and a half later, I joined with him. So one meeting led to, and I thought I had my whole career. And so did Evan led to a complete life shift.
0: What did, what were you doing before Brock? Just so people know, just how was, weird you might
2: transition your, your work life. Yeah, like. I was in construction sales, like nothing to do with this. Like, my, like be open because you never know what opportunity is going to come your way I, i'm feel i not sure if that's like
1: there's just so many benefits to just scouting for employees in a card shop because i feel like that's like i mean tommy that's similar to your origin story brock clearly yours as well i think it's definitely an interesting tactic that seems to have paid off
0: brock you were just kicking it though in the card shop like you would hang out with ronnie like all day like trying to get people in your breaks you were grinding i feel Ooh.
2: like Okay, so that's why I kind of said the breaker thing because I think I did again the negative way, wh- like the kind of the negative connotation of the breaking. Like I would like Tom said, I would sit in that shop and just solicit myself. I'd overhear conversation, like, yo, like do, do like breaks.
0: Like <laughs> I did that to
2: Tommy. This is my first interaction with Tommy. I did that to him. Okay. Like, mind you, like it's 1 p.m. on a Wednesday. No one's in the shop. All right. This boy walks in. I think he was a traveling salesman or something. And uh I'm trying to make conversation, sell the break to him, and I can tell like this dude's like, oh yeah, okay, bud, like <laughs> break. and he talks about his Twitter a little and I see how many followers he has, so I'm like, oh fuck, like I want this dude in my break. Um, but it's completely kind of you kind of you kind of brush me off, which now that I know you I get. Um but yeah, the shop, we call the shop magic. That's what I do. I'd sit there and just talk to you.
0: It's, I, uh, I I respect the shit out of that though to be honest like obviously I was a little motherfucker at that time like out here thinking I'm this shit with like this Twitter account that has like 2,000 followers or whatever thinking I know everything to do with cards <laughs> a lot of later, shit. What, Do you, you remember the interaction? I vaguely remember the interaction. I remember meeting you before like starting at LudX and that we like had s- some sort of weird interaction where I was like, this dude is like coming off real aggressive <laughs> to me right now. <laughs> you don't say. but but it was all good shit though. Like so when I interviewed at LudX, so I had obviously a similar story to um, <coughs> Max. Make sure you are muting yourself when you're not talking.
1: The- are you shocking your dog? Oh, I'm muted. What are you saying? No, you're
0: not. Get out of here. Yeah, anyway, yeah. when I first interviewed at Ludex, I come into this office. I have no idea what I'm getting myself into. I'm just like, what? This. What is this office in Chicago River North? They got this dope ass like mural thing. There's like people everywhere. What are these people even doing? I see Brock. Brock like locks me down after the interview, and he's just like, man, I'm, you. I think your question was like, what do you think? And I was just like, this is so legit like so much more legit than I ever thought. And, you know, I think something that, you know, I learned after the fact is that, you know, Brian was able to raise a bunch of money because of the cool idea that he had and he invented AI, et cetera. So um, Brock, I think it's pretty cool that like, I think a lot of people ask us at card shows throughout the last couple of years of like, hey, how how did you start working here? Like, this is crazy. Like, how does even someone start working at a tech company? And I think that the sort of like, just be ready for the moment sort of thing is something that everyone at Lodex shares because that's kind of how everyone started there is like had a chance, had an opportunity, had some sort of connection with Brian and like shot their shot and made it happen. And like, you have to be a self-starter, I feel like to be successful, like at a startup like that. Do you feel, you totally agree?
2: 100%. Like, it is funny now that you say that, everyone has this weird kind of, yeah, like, Oh, I hate like, like kind of chasing the dream all together. Like they hear what we're doing. Um, and you want to join it. Like it's look, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's crazy. I mean, dude, like think about the experience you had oh in what a year and a half.
0: That was crazy, man. Like I mean, from,
2: from the start to finish,
0: the first, so a weekend to me working at LuddX, we go on this trip to LA and in LA, we go, we're going to go meet up with, cassius marsh and brian urlacher we're gonna you're gonna break some 2000, 2000 bowman try to brady hunt i'm immaculate. coming into this what
2: do you say and immaculate in NT, Dude, and nt first off the, the line
0: and those magic packs too yeah. oh my god so i'm getting into this and i'm like shit i'm jet setting to la like this is my new life like let's go Brock obviously immediately checks me and just goes like, do not be like, <laughs> it's just like, don't be a mother. Don't be a fool when you're out here. Like know how to act And something Brock that you taught me a lot. It's just like, know how to act around people that you do not feel comfortable with necessarily, or feel like above, like, nec- like meeting Brian Rolacher for the first time I was shitting my pants and I was just like, I got to be cool. I got to be cool. I got to be normal me. I got to be like totally 100 here. And like with Cassius, like very similar thing. Cassius is like a very strong vibe. And for people who don't know, uh Cassius Marsh is a former NFL or current NFL player, TBD. He's uh, current. He's current. He's current. Uh in a current. big Magic the Gathering influencer and player. Um, and he was also an investor slash partner with in Ludox. So Brian Erlacher was an investor in Ludox. So we were going to LA to do meet up with these guys, shoot some content. And I'm just like, man, I I could not have been luckier in my life to end up in this situation where I'm flying to LA. Um, Got to like smoke a joint with Cassius and like hang out in the shop. And like, you guys pulled like a Tom Brady rookie card yeah. on camera, like whirlwind <laughs> first couple months there. And we were just, there was tech wasn't even there, like wasn't even close to like being out yet. And we were just going around doing shit. So, you know, those early days, a lot of like one day the documentary will come out, you know how it is.
2: Dude, that's actually crazy to think about that being so early on. Like, you're right. Like, we just kind of had to. Things happen are happening so fast with what we're doing that I, th- I feel thankful that we get thrown in these situations. And you just, I don't know, man. You just got to play it cool. Like, bro, me and Evan are doing a break, mind you, for, like, people listening. I grew up a Bears fan with Brian Urlacher. Like, that was my hero. He was on my wall. So then – Forty, like like seven months after I leave my job, I'm opening cards with him and pulling the Tom Brady, in it's a, it's crazy, man.
0: It's crazy world. Uh, tell us where it's at now, though. So I I I left like a, a little over like a month and a half ago, I guess. What's going on now? Like what we we started pre-launch before the app was even out there.
2: Where's the tech at now? What's going on? Well, I just want to start by saying as soon as you left, the success just took off. That makes sense. <laughs> like things really changed when you left. Um, no, we miss Tommy so much. Um, no, so where we're at right now. So have you talked about like the app at all on the show?
0: Yeah, no, people know. I, I talked about it, especially when I think we went free and I, I did a big thing about it.
2: Okay. So again, we it's AI technology to help identify what the card is. Um, we're at a point now with our tech where some pretty cool things are rolling out um so there is a free version and there is a paid for version so if those who don't want to pay jump on there um we're pulling pricing right now from ebay which is only going to get enhanced um so we're going to be showing a lot more comps right now it's only showing uh, a sold price but we're going to be showing uh, auction pricing and we're i can't necessarily disclose everything but the idea is Luddix is your one-stop shop for pricing. Um, we, I don't know if I can say this. No, no,
0: you're good. You don't got to say everything. Just say what the idea, like where is where is it going? Like I, it's, me, where it's, it's going to be a one-stop shop.
2: Yeah, where it's going is Luddix. And, and I talked about this with a hobby shop today. I think this is actually an important discussion. I was in a hobby shop. They're arguing over buying a collection. One dude was looking at uh, 130 point. The other dude was looking at like all. And right there, it's like you both are starting from two different spots, right? The, the starting point is different, which is going to make needing here, especially at a high level, very, very challenging. So I think a, a big need in the hobby is a reliable tool that we all can kind of start at where all the pricing is in one spot. So we're not pulling up all this different shit. We're looking at the same comps there. We're in the same place. So I, the goal of Ludex is to help identify what you have, um, tell you what it's worth and then help you sell it and track it and tell you, or help you understand whether it's right to sell. We just want to be a vehicle to help you collect and make it easier, more fun uh, and do it better and help new collectors. Not like get screwed over. Really. That's the goal.
0: Yeah. I think, uh, I'm glad you. That's really obvious. It's like almost you're like a salesperson or something for LEDX, like with the way that you have that down. Um, That's
2: true. Yeah. I just thought of that.
0: <laughs> no, but um, yeah, I think that, you know, there is a reason why I loved working at LEDX. And it's because, you know, the not only the people, obviously, but, you know, the vision is so cool, like of like what this technology can be used for. Like the fact that it can pick up the difference between like a prism refractor versus an X-fractor is like insane. Like I know something that me and Max talk a lot about is just like quantity of parallels, different sets, not knowing. I know Max uses your set a lot or uses a for like our ar- like older archive sets where you're like, who the fuck knows what set this is coming from? Like base cards yeah. that are like, I don't even know where to start looking up what this card is. So we are always talking about that and what Letex and what me and you worked on that without getting too far into it is just like the database of cards and like how many fucking cards are out there, how ridiculous it is, how like unlikely it is to grow this sort of industry without more tools that newcomers can use to get into it. Um, That's kind of like what always got me excited about led is like, this is a tool that is going to be something that can increase the ceiling of the hobby, but also the floor, like both ways. It's like, it can become much more if there's more people are able to get into it. You know, it's the same sort of ideas like Robin hood for investing or something like make it easier to make it invest. More people will invest, et cetera. Um,
2: The ceiling is the roof
0: and there is no roof. (laughs) So I think
2: this is a good question potentially for you guys, because I do think there's, I don't know. Like I think people who are deep in the hobby, especially like Max, you are buying all the time. How often are you relying on tech or an app? And do you like, do you see the need for that progressing or is there a level where like it's kind of in your head and you want to navigate yourself? Um, It goes to
1: when I'm buying, I really rely on, I think tech is necessary because you have to see sold values. But I mean, for the context of this, in this conversation, I don't really rely on like in the, the innovation of tech because if I have card ladder, if I have 130.0 point of Terapeak or whatever, it's all the same number at the end of the day. The only difference is how fast I can access that number and that knowledge and how practical that is in that context. For me, most relevantly, the innovation in tech is mostly needed in the listing and the selling. and Because time is money. Identifying cards is laborious sometimes. And if there's an app that processes that, or that has a database that processes that, then that takes up less time. Because really when I'm identifying something, whether I want to buy it or not, even less so in the context of collections, I really, or if I'm looking at singles, I just have to find the single, find what I have to sell it for, and try to give myself enough room. When I'm actually listing it, that's when I am in my CSV, typing out the title, typing out the specs, doing my making sure my image is properly in, and that is a bit arduous sometimes yeah
0: yeah that's that's the where like i think brock we talk a lot about like how ledex can be an app for different levels of collectors like for someone who's really deep in it like max it's maybe it's much more about the efficiency of listing and like checking comps but for someone who's new it's more about like oh you're actually telling me what this card is and i don't i'm not going on ebay and seeing like a twenty thousand dollar listing for a 1990 base donor's card or something you know and thinking that i have twenty thousand dollars and that was an issue that we kind of worked through at the beginning of it and stuff but um even I, I, sorry yeah.
1: oh just jumping off of that even when i'm identifying stuff usually the tipping point for me to list something on ebay is five dollars or under and if i see a random 90s insert that i've never heard of before just doing the quick scan and seeing okay there's three listed for three bucks pass put that in the pile i don't even have to worry about knowing the set number or the parallel or even the correct spelling of the player
2: or whatever it may be so can i ask one question because this i think transitions into something you mentioned something a player you don't know or a particular card you don't know are you guys comfortable with tech being the teacher like helping you understand what that card is because the like the thing i'm the feedback i got today I was at a sports cop shop, sports card shop. They want to sell Magic and Pokemon cards. They don't know anything about it. So an app like ours allows them to see what they're what they're what they're buying. It gives them a starting point, which then now creates curiosity. Now they're more open to buying Pokemon cards. I guess my question is: Is like, w- w- will the tech then kind of propel or, or expand and help you learn? And then now, like you're gonna, I don't know, like collect Pokemon cards or buy Magic cards?
1: No, but only because the tech isn't good enough right now. So no with an asterisk. Usually there's misidentifying. There's just one long string of text of what the card is. And especially with cards that I know myself, I especially don't trust the tech on because I know I'm speaking more so from a listing on eBay standpoint, but I know I can make my title better than this, better than the AI or not AI. I want to make sure my technologically savvy friends don't come at me, but the, whatever the software is that's identifying a card right now, I don't trust it enough to where I would rather just put the time in myself to correctly identify it than do software. But that's only contingent on um, the tech not being good enough
0: yet. Well, Here's I, my del- my devil's advocate point to that is like, you should always double check everything that tech tells you anyway. Like, you know, like I think LUTX is more about like the starting point, as Brock said, like it works the other way as well with identification. Like, you should not trust like we, the Lord knows that people take pictures of their cards in the darkest, most fucked up looking rooms in the world. And you'll like someone gets pissed because their card doesn't get identified when it looks like it's gotten taken by, you know, a small child who's holding a phone for the first time. And like everyone has these ex- expectations for tech where it should be hundred percent accuracy. And like, why are you even out of, it's not hundred percent accurate. And that always pissed me off because you should never trust anything like that 100%. It's more about the efficiency thing. And like, if it gets a 9 out of 10 right, and you have to look up 1, that's still 9 cards that you had to do half as much work for. You know, it's like, you got to think about the wins, not as much about the the Ls.
1: Exactly. And I understand tech has to do, te- the point of tech is to be the bridge and to get you 90% of the way there. And then you proofread and you edit and then you do the remaining 10%. 10%. But At that same token, if I have to spend time double checking, that's almost just as much time that I would be doing on the first run anyway, and making sure that IDing, making sure that it's right. Well, the only difference is just filled in a field and especially relevant with comping stuff more so with how I'm listing items, not sales history. So sales history is concrete and it happened or it it didn't, with the exception of those weird eBay best offers where it was says displayed at full, bought at $200, but it was actually bought at $130. Hopefully you guys know what I'm talking about.
0: I know what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, perfect. But So that's concrete sales data, and that just is dependent on the API. But when I'm listing things, it's like I need to know if the lowest available is $7 or $3. And that might seem like a tiny difference, but that is the difference between me putting in the time to list something or not. And that's something that I do myself entirely because... A, maybe I don't value my time enough, which is why I try to do this in a very time-friendly fashion. But if I'm if I'm listing something and I am either not the lowest listed or I think I can be listed a little bit higher and I'm not, then that's poor use of my time. So it really is contingent on, so the tech being good. So it's a no with an asterisk that can definitely become a yes. Can my, I have one,
2: one yes. closing pitch on LudX? So what excites me about what we're doing is what you guys are talking about, right? Every tool essentially that's out there that people are utilizing. Most of them, there's another check you're doing to make sure the information you're looking at is correct. So I think if Ludex has the ability to make it so you're only making one stop and that's where all this information and you trust through time and credibility and accuracy that it's all there, I think that's the pinnacle of success for us is taking all these different tools and sites that people are on making it manageable and digestible and accurate, most importantly. And if and if that's what we're trying to do, like that's our mission statement. This right. is a massive, massive lift. But if we can do that, I think that's like yeah, the game. I it. think the biggest flaw is that most of the other companies that are out
0: there either turn a blind eye to the flaws or don't even acknowledge them. And here's my two cents before I – I'm
1: rooting for Lodex and I hope you guys break through because you guys are – No, yeah. No, crazy. you're giving the realistic perspective. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah.
2: But yeah.
1: even yeah. in general, yeah.
0: Um, I'm, real I'm quick before I change someone the topic,
1: who, someone who is not formally employed by Lodex. I'm pro Lodex.
0: Yeah, <laughs> is like all these apps that are out there that are tracking values of cards are tracking the value of the top cards, the cards that are traded the most, the cards that people, you know, talk about the most, whatever. Those are the cards that those people are tracking. That's maybe, you know, half a p- 0.1%, half a percentage of all time cards. That's being generous knowing how many cards have been made in existence. Right. Ludex is going for the whole fucking pie of cards of like, we, we are not satisfied with only being able to identify modern cards or only vintage cards. You know, the, the goal is to be able to identify and value every single card, regardless of how many sales have happened on that card, which is an extremely, extremely ambitious goal. And we can go back and forth forever about progress and whatever, but that is, in and of itself is something that no other company is doing, and is something that like I don't know, I get fired up about that. Yeah, but and well, Max, and then I'm changing yeah, the topic. Yeah, change the subject.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I'll no. well not, say your piece. I'll say, I'll say yes. one last thing that that is yeah. to your is show is that well, you're the guest. Make yourself at home. Um, <laughs> oh, I will. I or, I guess, like when I'm scanning a card, something that would be useful to me is immediately seeing hey, is this a parallel which is relevant or the non numbered parallels? Or, oh, is this a variation? Because I even had the debacle a few months ago where I had this 2013, you know, Mariano Rivera card. And I know not, I know a little bit about 2013 Topps Chrome. I know the short prints go for crazy money. And I know there's not many of them. And I know the resources on digging them out is a little bit hard to find. But Ultimate, my Mariano Rivera card was ultimately not a short print, but even if it's okay, if I have the short print, even just like a notice saying, oh, hey, this is a variation, and it's able to distinguish itself that obviously knowing the checklist that, oh, this is not just a base card, or this is a variant, or this is a, short, a parallel, or a case hit, or whatever the adjective to describe it is, that's yeah. useful. Though. For sure.
0: Um, one thing, Brock, that me and you have done a lot of in the last couple of years is go to card shows. Uh, yeah. And, you know, when I've been asked since leaving Lardex about like, hey, are you ever considering going back into the card world? I'm like, I have a specific area of the card world that interests me the most. And I see like, as the part that excites me the most, as just like a person, a human is the like in-person events. And me and you have had a lot of conversations about how they can be improved, what aspects of it are cool. Um, Can you just give me your thought on cards? Like you've been to a lot of card shows. What are some of the like things that you see as like areas of improvement versus like things that can be left alone?
2: Yeah. So the things that card shows do well, I think when they stick to being a card show and don't, I think in a lot of ways, like whatever, this is life, like the simpler, the better. And I think. We've been to some really, really cool shows where they try to do the whole spectacle. They have crazy guests. They do the talk. Um, it looks all nice. It looks super expensive. It's, it's costly for dealers and people to get there. But it it ultimately, it just doesn't feel genuine. And it, For me personally, as a collector um, and someone who I feel like when a show is executed well, it's like the vibe in the room. When you can feel that people are happy, people are buying, people feel welcome. And there aren't dealers who are shooing people away and being kind of like assholey. Um, I think the more like an example would be like more of the regional shows, like a ship Shawana show, uh, the Lennox card show. I, I really enjoy um, stuff like that. I think a lot of like the regional shows, if you're a new collector, even if you're, I think if you're an advanced collector, you would agree. Um, it's, it's, it's helpful because you get to talk to the dealers. You get to learn from people there. They spend a little extra time working with you on pricing um going through dollar bins is something I love. When you're at huge shows, unless you're one of the vendors or you get there earlier, you know who to go to, you're not going to find the best stuff. So I think the be- the, the best of a show is a, a smaller to medium size and something gra- like a little more grassroots that's more dealer uh collector focused.
0: So something that like is the wave that we kind of experience the most in card shows is like this development of the trade night the kind of mystique around trade night um something me and max have talked about a little bit not a ton about the bleaker ones where it's like is it a card event is it not a card event like the nature of what trade nights are i know max has had like deals sometimes where he has to like tell like a drunk person that the deal that they think they're getting is not as great as it is or vice versa
1: accidentally misidentifying a psa 9 for a psa 10.
0: Yep. um so i think that trade nights can be super cool are not quite as cool as maybe they they claim to be i think a lot an issue i have with trade nights is that a lot of times they become an extension of the show where it's just like the show is open another three hours or something and i i crave a separate a different experience than that um what is your idea brock with like trade nights and stuff what, what do you see happening there
2: I'm not a trade night guy. Like, I'm not, that's not my side of the business. I think Max would probably I'd like to hear Max's take because I feel like he probably has a completely different take. I think if I was incentivized to network and go sell cars and grind, probably that fun. You probably figured out like it, Max always seems like he's having a really good time there. Um, but yeah, like it's it's different. It's it for me, like if I were to do a trade night, and we've talked about this, Tommy, like it's a kickback. Like we're it's at a food place or it's a place where like the vibe is like. People are talking like kind of an LCS vibe, but maybe a little more like transactional, I guess get the whole trade night. I'm not a hater. Like that's the new, the new wave. Not my thing. Um, yeah, that's my take.
1: Yeah. Um, Go try ahead. not to show the, be biased or make my opinion as objective as possible. But again, I don't know why I would have bias. It's not like I host trade nights, but, um, their trade nights are really good in terms of being able to socialize with others and it makes it social and it makes it so that you can actually with so many different people half probably more than half the times that i'm going to bleaker trade nights which is the closest thing to a local card shop that i go to that hosts regular events it's i'm taking a train into the city i hope maybe a deal i do pays for the ticket to you know the train tickets and i'm mostly just not to say networking, that be, that's a little bit too pragmatic, but I'm enjoying and I'm socializing with other dealers in the New York, New Jersey, New York City, New York, New Jersey, Long Island area. And I see value in that, and that's important value to me as a collector. I think something that trade nights are missing, which was epitome, which was just so demonstrated so well in a trade night that was advertised as a collector's showcase, which ironically was just a the normal trade night, <laughs> is that... You need to find a way to incorporate people that isn't uh, an extreme flipper boy, like, you know, so to be palatable to the to the Tommy and to someone who just wants to have a good experience, but not feel like they're hovering over other people's deals the entire time. Because cards are fun, even if it's not your own deal. Cards are fun. I love learning about other people's cards. I love when people look at my cards and I have an excuse just to talk about them. And that's what makes the bonds that we all love and enjoy. But if in a more formal way, there's a way to involve people that aren't just there to transact or just giving reason to go besides just transactions, then or more formally address that, then that's how you take trade nights to the moon, as they say.
0: And um, Brock, something that me and you talk a lot about is like the experience side of things. So like a lot of trade nights you go in, there's either like no table space, no chairs, there's like a bunch of people huddled on the floor. There's no drink or food options. It's like you need to create a space where people can watch the game, hang out, like have space to do something. And that's not, you know, have a transactional deal. Like you need to give space for that sort of stuff. It's what a lot of shows I feel like miss out on too is like just a kick it area. Like, you know how much longer people would stay at shows if they could like have a better place to sit down and like, Put their shit down for a sec, have a drink, have a you know, eat a hot dog or something. Even like, what it? What are your thoughts, Brock? On like that side of things?
2: Well, no, dude, I agree with you. Like to Max's point, I think if anything, there's an op- and to your point too. There's just an opportunity for a, a like a just a better trade night that's inclusive, but also caters to what everyone's looking for. And I don't, yeah, I don't think it's that hard. Like I think it's as simple as like re- renting a brewery or a room and like. Humans are, are are like they just go where they're ushered. Like if we put it, if you put a section that's new collectors, new collectors will go over there. You put a section for consigners, consigners will go. Like I think there's a little organization that we could help foster, like a more inclusive uh, environment. But I like Jerry Nights. I want there to be, I want there to be, be more focus on making it what we're describing.
1: It's an extremely fine balance between being organized and giving organization to people that aren't just there to transact and then just having the normal trans restrictions and boundaries that card shows have because one of the beautiful things about trade nights is that it empowers anyone who doesn't even have a table and is just a walker at the show to be an equal to everyone else both in table space and who's sitting where and everything like that so not to necessarily corporatize trade nights or anything like that but there's like there has to be the beauty is in the balance and if you go towards too much transacting free for all and too much organization this is this hobby organization and they're trying to promote this and that's the really interesting balance um,
2: I think it's a, a, yeah I Max I think it's the simplest because when you walk into a trade night like for instance like the national it's it's a that's a pretty intimidating environment to walk into like you don't know where me like I kind of am in the hobby I don't know where to start like I felt very uncomfortable where I feel like there's a way of if I walk into a room and I see a bunch of consigners on one side and I see a bunch of people looking through dollar boxes, like it feels a little more inviting to have pique my curiosity. And like, I guess that's what I'm kind of talking about. It's like trade night is full fledged, like butt to wall. Like we're hugging up, like shoving through each other to show each other our slabs. Um, I get there's a demand for that. And I'm all for that. I guess I would think, and I think Tommy agrees with this just a different variety of trade nights.
1: Yeah. And Part of why I even go to trade nights in the first place is usually, aside from the transacting, just to see friends that I know that are already there. Um, I know that especially when I'm at a trade night and it's a trade night that doesn't have everyone at a table and they're setting up with their stuff. And it's a trade night where it's more social when you're walking around. It's not to say intimidating, but it's weird just as any human being going into a room and you don't know a single other person that's there. So being able to handle that i think the brewery setting is good not to just champion pizza parties but anywhere that's food and free drink is fitting and makes people want to socialize and this is a very forgiving and nurturing and generous niche where everyone is friendly to each other unless you give them a reason not to which is ironic in this several hundreds of thousands millions of dollars business of collectibles
0: yeah and brock real quick like something that we've talked about is like not having trade nights necessarily tied to shows as well. Like a regular monthly trade night that happens in a, like, let's say we're in Chicago here and like a Lincoln park bar or something that like, we just own that spot kind of once a month, have a good time. Everyone knows to come. People can bring their friends. Like I could bring friends who aren't really into cards or like, don't know about cards yet, but are interested in it. And like, know that it's like the vibe that is going to be there is that people will be willing to just to talk about cards they won't because i do really do feel that max that like i'm just kind of bothering you while you need to be making deals right now no
2: no, for real though i i totally agree
0: yeah and like But,
1: but again i i've also had issues where i'm trying to poke the stick and get a few of my friends that are i think i told you i had a friend who is actively going on to whatnot breaks every two to three nights and just Rolling the dice and spending few budgets. I've, he's gotten off the the biweekly breaks, but now he just wants a big Jalen Hurts card. And I try to encourage him to come out to some of the trade nights that I go to. And I'm like, yeah, honestly, like this one, this probably doesn't have a genuine purpose for you if you're not here directly to transact. And I hate saying that because I love cards. I want to get more from my close friends that are already in the cards into cards even more. But if it's just a business transaction place, it's a fine line. The show trade nights are great for shows and for transacting, and that has its niche. But in order to make cultivate a better hobby environment, having the geo regio, regional area trade nights only help everyone.
0: I think you, Max. I'm glad you brought up that friend of yours because that really is like the main point. I feel like Brock that like Jet was the genesis of this idea. It's like you don't have a place right now in the hobby to bring someone who's just interested to get them hooked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know? like I try no- to. Bring- Either yeah there.
1: it's just card shows are really the only way that you can kind of reel people in because there's always something
2: no matter what but, but are so intimidating
0: are, though they're like that's
2: intimidating yeah. too yeah we're like, like if you're just going to to your point like a restaurant to get pizza like it's a very you know that it, it we're it, it, we're huge like i don't know i just feel like that's like a normal setting so you're not like feeling super uncomfortable and not knowing how to navigate and you can ease into it so i think it's happening maybe we'll do it ourselves
0: Maybe cards, it'll be a ego. cards are good. Yeah, cards are good. Um, Brock, we've talked a lot about the experiential side of, of cards here. Let's talk. Let's talk let's talk some nitty gritty. What is what does FTH Brock collect? What's what's in the binder?
2: Oh uh, listen, when that when I got the call for this, I had to make sure that this was on my side.
0: Brock has <sighs> his binder up, the card this guard. This is
2: an old fashioned binder, which recently, Tommy, I wish you were around. Someone shit on the binder. Which I'm trying totally. to be a little more open-minded, but I have to. I think this is the purest form of collecting, and I will never get away from this. So,
0: this I mean rocker friends,
2: my favorite thing—I I do themes. This binder is full of goats, uh, Kobe, MJ, uh, some LeBrons. But my favorite thing to do, which I've recently embarked on, is top scrum refractors. So we're gonna—I'm gonna go through colors, is what I'm trying to do. So I've almost completed. Uh, just refractors, and it, these are from 2000-2010. It's kind of like my cutoff. You keep
0: it. You keep it to that range, and I like uh, that
2: decade.
0: You're talking like binder pages here, right? Like one. Correct. Binder page so I'm going to show you. I'm going nice. to show
2: you one just as an example. I'm just narrating. I'm narrating for the people. I got you. And comments. you know what, guys? I don't know if this makes you happy, like, like. Oh, that's a sick page. You see, and I got the ring cam on, boys. So like much color, you guys. Like, it's not great to look at, but. No, it's great.
0: Holding up, uh, I'm narrating here. Right, He's cool. holding up a, a tops chrome refractor page of basketball. I got some 08. I see an Andrew Bynum X fractor that I blessed you with. Yeah, you did. Um, me and Brock fun. at shows when we'd be going around, we'd always be pulling out some refractors. A lot of a uh, oh, you got your big men refractors there. You got Yao Ming 2006. Yeah, that tops was maybe John
2: Livingston. John so-
0: Livingston rookie refractor. Um, so you're you're a you're a true purist to tops chrome basketball. Um. Yeah. What have you done in the Panini era of basketball? Like is there anything that captures your attention with that?
2: Um mm, I like like the 2000 like the early like 2014 for hoops. I actually really really like. Um, like hoops, like normal hoops. NBA. No, no, no. NBA Prism. Cuz you oh, said Prism, Prism right? right? All right, yeah yeah. That's yeah, right. the, the, the 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 that year. I like that design. But no man, I've really the the tops tops chrome. I think I got top chrome cars as a kid and there's something about the refractor and the way it looks that it's it doesn't matter it could be like robert swift is in there if you know who that is he's the worst player of all time he was a meth head and got arrested like it can be the worst player to the best player that's how you know you love a card it's just the look of it so yeah that's my Man, the amount of
0: times when we would be doing work and it would be like We'd be going through some sort of whatever database work. Data, and yeah. You find a card, you're like, dude, <laughs> we'd be so down on cards, we'd be like, damn, I can't look at another card today. Then one sick one pops up, me and you'd be both like, Yeah, that's a dope one. Let's yeah. keep going. <laughs>
2: like <laughs> Not at the time. You're always hunting for me in dollar bins.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um the tops chrome binder I have mad respect for. The bow binder has fallen off a little bit.
2: Both. But- said, yeah. Coming back can i talk That's about my- binder for 30 seconds i give the give the pitch listen guys i'm doing the tops update rainbow we have two pieces that you haven't seen um that i need to bring it back i do a little shtick on my instagram uh that i need to bring back i'll do a little better i'll do a little quicker um but yeah i love i love the bow i love rainbows i'm also doing a khalil herbert rainbow do you do you guys have any rainbows that you're doing or have done
0: Matt, we've talked rainbows. Max did a uh, really random Louis Severino, who's a pitcher for the Yankees, like base yeah. card rainbow back in the day. I don't really fuck. Was- I don't do rainbows too hard. I, you know, you know me. I'm just. It was an everything Cut boy. And It was my uh, my first real project back into collecting. Um, right now, I have
1: about 50 variants. I think I still occasionally check eBay, but it was all of Top Series One, all of Tops Chrome, um, Tops 3D. Which was actually no just kidding, he didn't have a three D. I have all of Top's mini and like all of those other weird other sets that still have a flagship image, I counted. And it has three one of ones in it, which is actually surprisingly low. And I've learned a lot in the rainbow collecting game. And you really cannot afford to be late to the party and you cannot afford to not spend a big bucks.
0: Yeah, Brock, what it what have you learned building the bow bichette? 2020 update rookie debut rainbow and then the cleo herbert uh rated rookie
2: optic yeah, rainbow optic. right yeah good memory. what have you
0: been learning what have you learned in that process of- so
2: what i was gonna say is starting a rainbow is some of the most per- for me is like some of the most fun i had like those first four when i when you decide oh i'm gonna do a rainbow and you are looking and you're buying them like for me that's i have so much fun doing that um And then there's got to be some weird OCD, like, aesthetics when you start, like, chronologically seeing the numbers. And the Khalil Herbert one is actually getting crazy because I have – there's, like, 30 to 32 cards. I have 21 of the 32. Yeah, it's getting crazy. Um, Damn. So, like, that – dude, it's just – it feels good. And you learn a lot because you're seeing all these parallels that you potentially couldn't afford, right? So, I think a good advice to your what Matt just said, do someone cheap because then you can afford to get all these cool parallels that you're seeing on the internet of these huge stars and it's really fun to own like a one out of ten or a gold refractor like it's it gets
1: really- expensive even if you go cheap
2: it does but fair warning it's all relative i guess right like it, 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 if you're gonna do like a then do like a third or fourth year that would be my best advice do someone's later years like my brother's doing Demar Derozan optic whatever year he's in
0: don't expose the photon rainbow
2: oh is that a later debut
0: no no no, no, uh,
2: no um but like dude he's getting a gold for 40 bucks
0: yeah and like it's not about the getting it for like 3 bucks but it's like you can get extremely rare cool ass shit for under 100 bucks and that's always been kind of a thesis of this podcast um so i always respect Brock your your binder the collection that you you've been building uh, so
2: i think rainbows are for binders and that's a really really tough thing to do but i have my cleals and top loaders and i gotta be quite honest it's not the same you gotta I have
0: like either binder or i respect like a good like little shelving situation framing situation mm-hmm. I, respect I do, too. I do or- too
2: or you can make a collection on Ludex, and you can see it there
0: Exactly. Um, that was the part that me and you would get the most hyped about was building our little collections. I had all my gold cups in a collection. You had all the bows and shit. Um, I'm excited for the future. That uh, feature, I think, the where it is now is really only just like a very small fraction of the vision that we had for how it can be cool and like shareable and stuff like that. So I'm not going to, we can talk about that on part two, Brock. Um, yep. But, have you bought anything recently or are you just purely on the game of rainbow hunting right now?
2: No, I've been, so I've been buying, I just been support, like trying to support people on Twitter. I like, um, most recently, like infinite cards, which I like my boy. Uh, I got a Davion Mitchell out of 49. I got an Mbappe sticker. Um, I got a new rainbow that I unofficially have started. It's a Marcus Rash for 2019 tops Chrome. Um, pretty cool. I already have three, the beauty that? of this, huh? Who is this? Who is that? Marcus Rashford, <laughs> oh, fucking, he's the best player in Manchester United. Absolute stud. I didn't know That's he a still. Played. Human. I didn't know he still played soccer. Is that a diss? You didn't even I, mention soccer. No,
1: I genuinely did not know he I still did.
2: played soccer. <laughs> Dude, Marcus Rashford is having an unbelievable year this year. Actually, huh? Um. So, yeah, 2019. I've been buying 2019 Top Scrum Mark Strasher. Nice. That's pretty cool. What, what about um, you, boys? Any notable pickups?
0: Um, nothing too crazy. I got that Ron in today from a Frank. You saw that. That's going to oh, be I, sick. I, yeah. I'm, I'm hyped to give that to you next at the yeah. show, probably. I'll see you next. Um, just so kind of been kind of uninspired of late. Not having cards be my job. It's been a little off the grid, a little bit more on cards. But I still didn't buy And You know, I, I can't stay off eBay.
2: I have a final before this episode ends, I have one final question for you that I, I I think it would be cool to end on, but all right. Just give me an opportunity. All right. Well cool. Max, any notable pickups? Uh yeah.
1: I bought I've been on we can Tommy, I think we can open this at another episode because I have a full on rant.
0: Bye. All right, well, hold on the make- no, no, no,
1: no, no yeah. I have pickups. I have pick-ups. <laughs> okay, no. Yeah, George was not upset. George was upset that you wanted me to brush off my pick. Yeah, he said, tell him, tell him. Yeah, but I bought a, oh, wow, he's, he's loud. Um, I,
0: you want to just, you want to give it a second?
1: Yeah, uh, talk about something else for two minutes, and I'll talk about my big pickup.
0: All right, Brock, ask me the question that you want to ask Because right. I have something I want, I want you to end on just being able to talk about like what you're up to and like stuff that people can do to like watch and like content stuff.
2: All right, cool. But this is like a personal question that I wanted to know. Yeah. Because, and I'll be, I'll be candid over, uh, this, like, I haven't even said this to you. I've noticed less activity out of you. Oh yeah. Okay. Which naturally is going to happen. You're not around cards 24 seven. Like you're running social media for a new company. Awesome stuff. Um, what has that been like, like emotionally towards cards and like, where are no, you at yeah. right now?
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, it is like really reinvigorated my like, my enjoyment of of it in general um, i think towards the end of time at i was definitely hitting a burnout level of like going to too many shows just like not just like not feeling as creative about my stuff like i know we did that video at Sh- like i was into like i was really hyped about the idea of doing like video content and stuff and that's kind of chilled out like i don't have the desire to like do video content i've been posting a lot of single image cards on like instagram and stuff that's been kind of my game just like here's a card i think is cool that's it like not really doing much more uh so i've been really just like going back to like the core card lover part not as much the content side of things like obviously this podcast will never not be something that we're doing and this is kind of my outlet for it in terms of like i can still i'll still talk about talk my shit on the podcast about whatever but In terms of like day-to-day cards I'm much more just like what are three cards I can appreciate today and then I'll post one on Instagram or like you know I'm not DMing people I'm not quite as active like on the DMs and stuff as I used to be so my apologies to everybody if anyone is getting ghosted by me in the DMs right now feel free to bump whatever but like (laughs) I'm just like not I feel like when I was at Ludix it was like I gotta respond to all these DMs because all these people could not to say that like my relationships are transactional in the hobby but like I did want to make sure that I was responding to everyone and not blowing anyone off because I didn't want anyone to think I was a dick or anything. And now I'm less care about that. Cause it's like oh, I'm just here to have a good time and post some cards and like the podcast is my outlet for content. Um but I'm just been busy, dude. I also like I'm moving into my own place, Brock. Did not Let's tell go. you. That yet. So moving closer extra, out your we'll way. I'll, yeah, I'll tell you later. But like yeah. I I think I'm like kind of making all these plans for when I move where I'm like, all right, I'll have my own spot. I'll be able to, like, do dope shit with my cart, Like, do some cool displays. I want to start getting into, like, display content if I get back into videos. Just, like, here's how I built. Or, like, here's my concept with this, like, whatever. Portrayal of cards. Or, like, this is, like, a history of cards. Mm. Like, of a certain set, you know. Like some Greg card. Morris stuff. Yeah, some Greg Morris that,
2: Greg Morris. I love you guys. Yeah.
0: Please. Um, so hard. And they got a, <laughs> yeah, like, history of parallels and stuff. Like, just, like, the way that I collect visually do play around with how I like display it and stuff is something that I'm looking forward to doing more at my own place and having more space to do shit like that. But no, I mean, I love cards and I love making like card content. It's just like, it's, it's nice to have something where I'm like, Oh, I know after work, I can go hang and like fuck around with my card or or, like, I got a cool card coming in the mail. It's a little different when you're not doing cards every day. That's just like, my two cents on that
2: yeah so it took right it took it, it took the fun out of it to some degree
0: to some degree like not a ton but definitely a little bit. not like a majority like i still i never had any like oh i'm gonna sell my collection type of no, But not even close
2: yeah but dude you can the reason i asked that is you came in unlike everyone who worked at luddx none of us were in the hobby beforehand and weren't working with cars like you were every day so i found it interesting and in like I'm, I observe you, like I care about you. So like when I noticed that, I'm like, my thought was that, you know what, that probably makes sense of like, it was a job and, 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 and with everything like, yeah, there are extremes to it. So no, I think it's interesting and it's cool to see whatever you get older and, and realize, or not even realize, like learn, like, fuck, like I can still do this and progress as an adult and do all these things in one. Um, yeah. It's awesome. Other people should look to that. I appreciate that.
0: And now that I can't just scroll Card Twitter all day and call it like research and development, <laughs> that is also limiting my uh, my ability to do shit for sure. Yeah. I got a, I got work to do now, uh, and it, not to say I wasn't doing work, but like
2: your work was is, card that was work.
0: Yeah, it was work. Yeah. Um,
1: Rock, what was the
2: question.
0: I
1: mean, when you were done. No, go Timmy.
0: It was he asked me about if I. Uh, what my relationship with cards has been like changing since stopping working at Luddites, and like just like that whole concept. Um, but, Brock, I want to give you space here to talk about some of the content that you guys do at Luddites and like some of the cool shit you guys got in the works right now and like what you're excited about. Okay. And, cool. then, after, might... ap-
1: and then after that, I do want to talk about my
2: pick. Yeah, we got to give Matt, you want to give Max. Oh, a- I forgot we didn't get to yeah. the pickups.
1: You want to close on the Brock note, or do you don't want me to talk about
2: my big pickups? Yeah, go pickups first. Pick okay. Max- yeah, pick-ups. hey, pickups.
1: Yeah, I calmed the dog down. So now I can talk about it. I bought another top, Ty Cobb Red. And you got what? Ty Cobb? I bought another Ty Cobb Red. Wow. What uh, is it? Uh, PSA 1.5. It is a Tolstoy back, which is one of the rarer backs. Only what does that mean? There are only 34 Tolstoys in the entire PSA it's, population. It's the,
0: it's the gold refractor of backs.
1: Honestly, cool. that's like a. Yeah, it's like a mid but above average back. It's not a super fractor back, but um <laughs> like there's Piedmont and there's Sweet Ca- and Sweet Capitals are the most common. And then uh, there's like there's Polar Bear, which is like relatively co- a little bit more common than there's like Sovereign and I think Tolstoy's maybe up there a little bit higher, but it's I'm, crazy. But I love I'm, those words. Uh, so. Yeah, no, I'm just <laughs> doing, I'm just doing a bunch of uh words together, but this was an interesting dilemma in that they rarely come up for sale, and there's actually uh, another Ty Cobb Tolstoy back available on March 26th, and I bought mine this past week. So, yeah, so I'll just talk this few real quick. There was an SGC6, which was the highest graded ever on December 4th, 2022, and then there was another 2022 sale. So I guess, like, on average, there's, like, two Tolstoys of any grade that sell publicly per year. And the most recent, I bought mine at Robert Edward's auction this past weekend for like 5,600. It's a, it's a public sale. And the one, and mine is a PSA 1.5. And it's not covered in tobacco stains, but it, it has some tobacco stains on it. Like That's it's cool. it like Postoy is like a Russian tobacco brand under the American Tobacco Company. And it's like, you can tell that this one, uh, I, in my opinion... It's not wear in a bad way. It's wear that adds character, but obviously is unideal. So that's a PSA 1.5 that has some good stuff, has some bad stuff. And then on March 26th, there was an authentic altered Ty Cobb Tolstoy back that also sold for five thousand six hundred. It obviously looks a little bit better, looks a lot better, but it's either trimmed or there's color added to it. It presents phenomenally. But it provided me the dilemma of when I'm bidding up this 1-5, would I rather have the 1-5 or to I rather have the authentic altered? And for me, no matter what, I'd rather have the numerically graded copy. I'd,
0: I'm always pro. I, I fuck with altered cards. I don't know why. I don't care as much as something. Really? Like, dude, you know that's – like, I don't care about condition, but also, like, if I didn't care about condition, why would I care if someone, like, chopped off some of the edge? Like, I don't know. I don't I, don't I think know. That
1: there's definitely a balance to it, and there's a lot of – it's a it was a well presenting trimmed card. But okay. well, Max. But I say I, I love the card. I'm it's good to own a Ty Cobb Red. I'm gonna cut you off just so that I can say it's good to own a Ty Cobb Red again. Yeah. And I'll probably have it for sale at my yeah, good luck finding another one on the face of the earth price because I don't <laughs> expect to move it anytime soon. And I am gonna enjoy it as soon as it's in my hands. And that's the card that I'm enjoying for now.
0: Thank you for that. Well, we'll get more into your pickups next week, Max. I want to hear about what you've been up to. We've kind of been skipping out on what you've been up to, and I want to hear more about it next week. Episode 50 next week, Max. Don't That's sleep. That's a big
2: episode, boys. Half yeah. a year. You better I, do I mean, like, Tommy,
1: legitimately, I, this might be the one-year anniversary
2: episode. Yeah, Brock, I think we, we've been in this pod for day, a year. Hold on. And I don't know, like, we don't have to broadcast it, or, like, we don't have to decide now, but I think it'd be cool to do a giveaway for your year your 50th episode that's a good idea and i would love for ludex to sponsor that to your dedicated loyal following so let's figure out a, a, a wax giveaway to the listeners
0: wow that's a that's a totally not planned cool that isn't actually I'm that's official um, impromptu we, we had a lot of fun and content at wait i didn't hear what you said so i'm just gonna end that i'm gonna do my closing bit and let brock do a little bit here at the end but what, you
1: didn't hear the giveaway
0: Oh, the giveaway is a good idea. We'll figure it out afterwards. That's cool. I love that idea. That's for real. Um, keep keep an eye out on our social for that. Um, but we did a lot of, we had a lot of fun making content. A lot of videos of me and you and Evan and everyone, <laughs> whatever cast of uh, supporting characters were involved during that time. Uh, did a lot of videos, a lot of YouTube, a lot of Instagram, a lot of TikTok shit. Um, what are you What are you up to now? What are you What are you excited about for the future? What should go What should people go like and subscribe to?
2: Listen, go like all our videos. Our boy Evan is absolutely killing it. That's FTC, Evan. His handle is at EJCollector on all platforms. Subscribe, like, DM him, whatever you want to do. Loves to talk. Um We're just putting out content. So for us, like, if you're a content creator, if you are guys like, or gals like Tommy and Max, and you're in the hobby or going to shows, like, reach out. Hit us up in the DMs. We're looking to collaborate we want to show what cool what people are doing in the hobby. We want to show cool cards. We want to help people collect. We want to help people learn. Um, that's kind of the content focus. And then on the we're as, we also put on a show in um, Rosemont, Illinois, that we're pushing. So those are the two things to look out for. And we're going to have some pretty cool tech updates coming and partnerships that I hope we can announce soon. So maybe I'll come on again that I'm pushing for when we have some like crazy shit to talk about there we go that'll be
0: it. i'm down for that um yeah i'm glad people gotta have a little bit more of a window what let's not uh, let i'm gonna let you just say some shit here whatever you want to say you can talk mad shit if you want since it's the end of the episode and not as many people get here what was, what was Tommy like as an employee at Ledex? What To the people that might not know what I was up to on a day-to-day basis, what was I doing? I, from me getting to the
2: office to leaving,
0: what is a day of working <laughs> with me like in the office?
2: All right. So Tommy would be there. He would be the first person to get there generally. Um, he'd make coffee. He'd make this boy. First off, he came to Lodex, didn't know how to make coffee. Or he could make coffee, but it wasn't up to the standard. He first thing comes in whips up nitro brew. The boys are all fired up. We're sweating. We're hot. Um he'd get his work done before like 11 or 12. Um he'd probably like suggest a couple content ideas. He'd call me over to look at a couple of cool cards. Now depending on the day, it's a candy day and if it's a candy day, then he's probably going to spend a good 3 hours Opening wrappers, eating, laughing. Um, no, but honestly, Tommy, you were super productive, bro. You fucking helped out so much. And why we do miss you in the most is like the perspective you have. I feel like of for such a young person, like actually, like I'm going to be real here. Like for such a young person to have the perspective you have, we like your podcast is perfect because I said to you, you are an old man in a young man's body. And Max, you're the same thing, dude. You both are two old men who are in your 20s talking about cards. Um, So, yeah, dude, you're super productive and you're great. I miss you. I will will say
1: one of the biggest things that i missed since Tommy's departure from the office was um, seeing the clip of the double SSP case hit of the two strawberries – Strawberries one
0: pink, the two pink Starburst pack rip. I'm still yeah. pissed
2: that didn't go viral. Like, come on, people! No, get that
1: out. that was a moment of lifetime, and I'm
2: upset that I'm not seeing that content anymore. That was one of the best. Here's another. I'll give you a little secret about Tommy. This was some of my favorite stuff. Is we would get wax all the time, and especially like new wax. <laughs> uh, Evan like doesn't care. Like he'll just let it sit there. I'm more like Tommy, where like I it, like come on, let's rip it. So like wax would just sit there. And you would f- see this kid like, fucking <laughs> like his brain, like circuits going off of like, why is this not getting ripped? So I miss, I miss that. I miss the agitation of him not getting to rip wax right away.
0: Yeah, that was, that was always <laughs> tough. Especially if it was like, oh man, I was, I hated that. So beef would walk in with like a whole bag from Walmart and it would be like, oh, we can't rip this yet. I, I, but there was times where we'd rip, be ripping packs before like nine a.m. Some days, like never sleep. Jeez, that's like day drinking.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that was good, Max. Nice.
0: I'm glad we're having these little these little raps here at the end. All right. Any last words, Brock, before we sign off and do a little recap? After? Mm,
2: download the app. Love these boys. Follow. What them. does
0: FTH stand for? For the people.
2: Oh uh, for the hobby. For the hobby, Brad. Not that I feel like I am the hobby. I want to be for the hobby. So, FTH.
0: Be FTH. And that's
2: yeah. yeah. Just, I don't know. Collect cards. Be nice to each other. Follow this podcast. Simple hey. as that. we will see you guys.